This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I am your host, Zach Lee. This podcast is being brought to you today by Untuck It and Manscaped, and I am joined by friend of the pod, co-host of the pod, fellow sufferer of the pod, Ricky O'Donnell. Ricky, how's it going? I've been better, Zach. Believe it or not, I've been better. It's about seven seconds after the Bears uh, just found a way to lose a game that the Eagles were actually desperately trying to bring them back into just for the sake of entertainment. Um, Yeah, where to start? I think where we start is this is officially a lost season for the Chicago Bears. Ricky, you feeling, feeling me on that? Totally agree. I was going to say that my Bears fandom finally feels truly dead inside, at least as far as this season's concerned. The emotions that I have within me harken back to the late period Tressman era, to the entirety of the John Fox era. It feels like there is no hope. It feels like there is nowhere to go. The Bears are just dead on arrival as soon as they take the field. It is a truly unbelievable development for this team that was somehow, at some point this season, 3-1. and one. They haven't won a game since, and now it just seems like a long march towards whatever the next rebuild is. That's where we're at right now. Uh, that felt good to hear. Oh, that's all really good to process. I There's a lot of places to start. And, and by the way, you know, the Bears just lost 22-14 in a game that they had negative yardage at the half. It was, And I've seen some bad fucking football in my day. That might have been the worst half of football I've seen uh, in recent memory. You got anything that can even compare with that? Yeah, there were some bad games in 2017, the last year of the Fox era. Uh, That's some, the, are those Matt Barkley games? There's some bad Matt Barkley games. We could go ahead and list all the terrible Bears quarterbacks who have helped ruin our lives over the years, Zach. But Mitch Trubisky is right there with any of them. Mitch Trubisky is really bad. He did make some nice throws in the second half that will probably be enough for him to keep his job for another week over Chase Daniel, I would assume so at least. Uh, but really, what's the point? It doesn't matter. I feel like we've seen enough tape on Trubisky at this point to know that he is not the present day or future solution to the Bears' eternal quarterback woes. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just going to be another rebuild from here, unfortunately, it seems like. There's a lot of statistics we can point to with Mitch that tell you kind of how his game went and um, how, how you should feel about his play overall. For instance, uh, his first half, he had a negative 26.7% expected uh, pass completion <laughs> statistic, or that he's 10 to 21 for 125 for the game, 102 net after three sacks. But I think 
the thing that is most illustrative of Mitch, his play, and how I feel about him right now is he finished the game with a 66.6 quarterback rating. <laughs> Truly fitting, isn't it? <laughs> this sucks, man. So the Bears are scoreless at the half, and it feels like they don't even deserve to be scoreless. Uh, they somehow find a way to mount two really effective drives coming out, and then with eight and a half minutes left, Philadelphia takes over the ball, and they grind it down the field on what is now an average Bears defense and run the clock out. The Bears get the ball back with 20. Well, they would have got the ball back with 20 seconds left, but Adam Shaheen tried to randomly field a pooch kick, fumbled it, Philadelphia grabbed it, downed it, and, uh, you know, I guess it would have just been delaying the inevitable anyways. But just the fact that Adam Shaheen, you know, made that impact at the end of the game, I guess we should start to point towards the front office, the roster, and what it means going forward because there's really not a whole lot left to discuss with the game. Ricky, anything you want to talk about in terms of how this game played out? It's just all garbage, man. We've hit the point with Mitch where I just – feel no hope whatsoever when he drops back to pass even when the game got close at the end of the fourth quarter it was 19 to 14 late in the fourth you were like well okay here we go let's see what can happen this might be setting us up for mitch heartbreak but we'll see where we can go from here i'm like bro i can't even feel heartbreak anymore because i'm dead inside like there is no hope for this bears offense whatsoever uh, you know, thank God for Taylor Gabriel because he's made some nice plays the last couple weeks. At least it gives him a vertical threat in the passing game. Trubisky uh, made, has made some nice throws, you know, throughout his tenure as Bears quarterback when he's been able to get on the move. When he hasn't had to really, like, think the game at all, and man, is that damning because whenever there's even, like, a little bit of actual football to process, there's just no chance for Mitch Trubisky to be successful. And I really feel emotionless and resigned to uh, this fate as a Bears fan in the Trubisky era that, you know, there's there's no quick fix coming in to save us. The thing is that if it was just Mitch and it was, hey, we got to head towards this offseason and bring in competition at the, at the position and maybe we'll feel better about things, I, I might be okay with that. The bigger issue for me right now is that it's breakdowns across the roster, yeah. across coaching, across the entire way the, the Bears seem to be put together. I think there were four jumps offsides by the defense in the first half. Um, there was a play as the Bears mounted you know, their failed comeback. It's second and goal on the three-yard line, and Nagy runs a Tariq Cohen halfback dive. Tariq jumps from the four-yard line and reaches the ball to the two and almost fumbles it. Like, I'm telling you, that – that non-fumble saved Nagy's job. I really think so. I think the game had been such a debacle to that point that to have made that play call there and for to for Tariq to have, on a second down play with plenty of time left, try to reach the ball from an unreachable position, that fumble was going to be the nail in the coffin. Now, luckily, he managed to regrasp control. The next play, David Montgomery gets the ball as he should have and dives in to make, make it an actual football game. But I, I just... There's so much to criticize across the board. Nagy doesn't trust uh, Trubisky at all. Therefore, the play calling suffers. And then, sure, it, like in a moment, you'll go, you know what? Those are two good drives. We got something to build on. And then the defense can't get a stop on third down. Yeah, allowing three first downs on that final drive was just oh. so heartbreaking, man. It at least seemed like we were going to get to see Trubisky 
you know, lead a drive to try to win the game. And they couldn't even give themselves that opportunity because the defense kept getting beat. Ever since Akeem Hicks went down, Zach, this defensive line has been mandled by opposing offensive lines. They haven't been able to generate the same type of consistent pressure. I'm looking at this defensive line and I'm like, or this front seven, I'm like, why would you pay Leonard Floyd moving forward? You have so many other holes on this football team, starting with the offensive line, starting with the quarterback that needs to be patched up that, you know, they have so much money invested on the defense. They're just not getting enough return on that investment. A lot of this money is locked up for the next few years. Uh, coming into this Bears season, we were talking about that as, you know, one of uh, the most promising signs of the team. Oh, they've got everyone locked up. Everyone's young. They're going to be set for the next few years. Well, now it's like, fuck, where's the wiggle room in this? How do you fix all of the gaping wounds within this bleeding corpse that is the Chicago Bears right now? <laughs> Uh, and like you said, it's it does not all fall on Mitch. The problems are so no, much deeper than Mitch. There are so it's, many holes in the boat dude, right now, man. It's hard to like recount them all. The coaching staff, their grade on the season is about a D, maybe an F. The offensive line is an F. The quarterback's an F. The defense, given the expectations, is probably like a B minus or a C plus. Yeah, uh, at, at best. There was just so much that went right for this franchise last year, and you really thought that it was like part of the build up, part of the ascent. Uh, the origin story is the best part of any story, right? Like, it really felt like they were building for a season of progress. And I think what we saw is a combination of a couple things. One, a lot of it was smoke and mirrors. They had a lot of good fortune on their side uh, that, you know, obviously they haven't been able to build on this year. And then, two, I just feel like the Cody Parkey kick just, like, terminally fucked the entire franchise. It seems like it ruined Nagy's uh, ability to think the game as a coach. It made think, the entire wait, franchise wait, 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 You So you're attributing where we're at now to the double doink? Dude, it was so good before that, and now it's all trash. Like, Yeah, so, all right. I mean, obviously, inflection point. Doink, doink. Let's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it that that's, like, the midpoint of where things have turned. But this, to me, feels like, you know, we are now in Trestman territory of one-hit wonder. Uh, and that's the thing that kills sure. me about the NFL, which is, I swear to God, man, you'd looked at this roster, even going into this season, after the playoff loss, after the double doink, everything, it's like, they are a kicker short of an absolutely loaded roster. Here we are, halfway through the season, and it doesn't feel like that at all anymore. In fact, it feels like, like you said, there are holes across the roster with no way to quickly change that, uh, and there's really not a clear path forward for the team, for the coaching staff for the front office. So how how can you go from executive of the year, coach of the year, 12 and 4 record, uh you know, an unfortunate playoff loss but they had a chance to move into the divisional round to everybody's job feels like it should be on the line and here we are in week 9. Totally. It's unreal that at this point it seems like like what what's the argument for Nagy even coming back next year, right? And I was a huge Matt Nagy fan heading into this season. I thought that the Bears had a coach that they could grow with, even if, you know, they didn't meet their Super Bowl or bust expectations, that at least they had a young guy, a smart guy who they could grow with. Now it's like Nagy is as much of a problem as anything else on this team. Uh, you know, then you have to question the guy who hired him, the guy who put together this roster being Ryan Pace. It's just a comedy of errors from the top down, man. And uh, I, I really don't know where they go from here. Yeah, it's a little exasperating and exhausting to kind of 
try to find something to dig into to say, oh, if they do this or do that. I think it's a bit late for that. Just looking through some of the stats for today's game, 10 first downs for the Bears, only three passing. Good Lord, three passing. Uh, Two of 10 on third down. They only had 10 third downs the entire game. 42 plays to 78, 164 yards. Oh, it hurts my feelings. 102 yards passing. 19 minutes and 42 seconds of possession to 40-18. That is an unconscionable offensive performance. And I come from a long line of unconscionable offensive performances. <laughs> we are now in, somehow, in the span of a year with a forward-thinking front office, a modern coach, dynamic situations, dynamic players, dynamic talent, shiftable uh, uh, personnel and scheme. And somehow we are in the pantheon of the worst Bears offense of all time. And that includes Henry Burris and Craig Krenzel, uh, the John Fox era, sure. uh, the the Trestman meltdown. I, you know, I get it. The game ended seven seconds ago and we're all going to be a little reactionary. But I, I can't really wrap my mind around how things have gotten so bad so quickly. And the worst part of it is that I'll, you know, I watched that first half and I was like, all right, man, shit can the whole thing. Like everybody's done. And then somehow, like, enough things go right that you go, wait a second, and then they're back in the game sort of, kind of, and then the defense can't get a third down stop and they lose anyways. I don't even know how to feel. Yeah, dude. I I just think there's, like, no quick fixes on the way. I don't even know where a quick fix would even begin for this team because I don't think Chase Daniel is going to magically turn into, like, you know, an above-average NFL starting quarterback and cure most of what ails them. To me, it's like... It's uh, basically like a evolving circle of you're going to fire the coach and the GM. You're either going to hire a young coach who has no head coaching experience, who might be like innovative and meet that sort of criteria, or you're going to hire an experienced coach who, you know, perhaps the game has passed him by. It seems like we just do this, you know, every couple of years, one after another, whether it's Trestman to John Fox to Nagy at this point I feel like I'm just totally broken as a Bears fan I don't know what they could do that would actually instill belief in me because I believed in Nagy I saw the results of the first year I thought he was going to be their coach for a long time and now it's like man I just don't know where they can go uh it just seems like a vicious cycle that that has no outs you ever see an untucked button down they look bad they look like someone forgot to do something Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. No matter your size or your shape, untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. I hate buying shirts, especially online, because God knows there's not a mall out there anymore. And if there was, who would want to go to it to buy shirts? Not me. So you look online, you say, oh, wow, that might look good. And then you put it on and one sleeve is longer than the other and it ends at your belly button. Uh, It's really not how you want to do it. And that's the thing about Untuck It. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. I would need like, you know, uh, weekly therapy sessions and like a good solid four straight years of 
you know, I don't need it to be like playoff appearances every season, but I need to see like, hey, this is a coaching staff that they're always nine and seven, eight and eight, ten and six. Hey, we had a twelve and four. I need sustained, solid coaching and and adaptability. That's the other part, which is okay. You know, I I think I made this analogy on one of our earlier pods, but that minor league player that comes up and rakes for a month, and everybody's like, this is the next guy's dope man. He's gonna be the best. And then the league gets a little bit of tape on him and f- finds a hole, yeah. and he doesn't make the adjustment, and he hits 100 for the next month and gets sent back down. I feel like Nagy's been hitting 100 and needs to be sent back down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, he was pushing all the right buttons last year from the trick plays to club dub after victories. And this year it's like, you know, there, there's nothing he can do to save this train wreck. Uh, and he's as much a part of a problem as anything else. Yeah, I I kind of empathize with him. It's like, all right, I don't trust my quarterback to be able to do anything effective, but I don't really have another option that's dynamic in the way that Mitch can be, you know, one out of every 22 plays dynamic. (laughs) Uh, You know, so he's between a rock and a hard place. But, I mean, he's coaching scared. Not, hey, a little conservative, like, like literally scared. And for me, it's like if you're if you're going to coach that scared, if you're afraid to call your own plays, then you need to move on to another quarterback, I, a street free agent. I don't care, but you're you're pre hamstringing yourself. Meanwhile, the Eagles were dying to give up yards right. down the field all day, and it took them three quarters to figure that out. And that's the other part about Mitch, about Nagy, about this offense, which is it feels like a car that's been frozen in a block of ice and it takes three quarters to kind of thaw it and maybe make it turn over. And then all of a sudden it's running. You're like, where, why does it take that long to make the adjustment and figure out what plays might work and which ones don't? My thing is they just have nothing to fall back on, right? It's like if you had a running game that could move the ball even somewhat effectively, I think that you would be putting yourself in a lot more manageable situations to actually be able to sustain drives. You look at the final numbers today. The Bears ran 18 times for 62 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. They did have two touchdowns. They never broke a run longer than 17 yards. Uh, You know, at this point, it's like if you're just getting beat in the trenches every single game, it's so hard to try to instill any sort of hope. I think they need to totally reimagine the offensive line, invest some real money in that unit, aside from white hair, and uh, you know, try to at least get some positive push up front because when they're getting beat off the line of scrimmage every single play, it's like, what can you really expect them to do? Part of that is schematic as well. Like, I don't think they're being put in a position to succeed. James Daniels has had a terrible sophomore year. Is getting pushed around left, right, and center. Cody's had moments here or there. Charles Leno is a walking holding penalty. Bobby Massey has always been a substandard tackle, but solid enough that you can live with him with other people succeeding. And Kyle Long has been out since week four with a uh, uh, you know broken by football injury. So, you know, I, Mitch doesn't run anymore. And, it's, and that's the other part that's bizarre to me. It, it, it hasn't been made clear why the RPO plays that were so so much of a staple of the offense last year, why that's totally out of the offense, why a wheel route hasn't been thrown all year, things that were like extremely effective last year. Certainly some of the plays have carried over, and we've seen those, like a lot of the mesh concepts. But overall, I feel like they've gone to a brand-new offense that sucks, that never has worked. And a lot of things that worked last year haven't come back in. That doesn't really make sense to me. 
for sure. I think like, you know, you can just take it piece by piece. Mitch, we always said there was the trap door waiting. The trap door is the front door at this point. It's like there's Aww. you can't even gain <laughs> gain enough opportunity, gain enough yards for there to be a huge screw up because the screw up is just right there in front of you. So that's a huge mistake. The offensive line has been so atrocious and such a big disappointment. It really makes me think we should have seen this coming heading into the season. Like they were good enough last year to keep the Bears going, but there were a lot of question marks on that offensive line. Were, um, were there though? Like I thought they were like a top 10 unit, not like top 10s, maybe a little fair, like a top half of the league unit coming into this year. I, I would say that Whitehair was their one guy who could be considered like well above average. The tackles were like good enough, but holding on for dear life. Your center's 22 years old. Leno made a pro bowl last year. Yeah. I mean, I mean like I know the pro bowl isn't, you know, an all so pro Mitch, or anything else, but he? like well, Mitch made it as, a, as like a third alternate, but like, Leno was properly chosen. He was like among the first. Okay. And again, it was his only one. He got a contract extension, you know, like based on all that. Like it all kind of came together for him last year. So, man, I, I it's hard to obviously I think there was there was some talk coming into this year that the Bears offensive line could be a trap door. Like if those things don't play well, obviously Mitch is such a liability that there's nowhere else to turn. This could all crater in a hurry if they can't find yards in the run game, but like you know, you've got uh, Jordan Howard <laughs> having a revenge game, uh, averaging 4.3. And and so, like, all this blame in the offseason gets put into the kicker and not having the right uh, personnel at the running back position, but everything else is dialed in. And now it's going to be 202, and now we've got all the pieces in place. It turns out not the case at all. These things were much more systemic, and it feels like if – if the Bear, if Bears management and coaching can fool themselves that badly, then where does this team turn from there? I mean, that's where I'm stuck right now as a Bears fan is I don't know where they could possibly turn from here. Even some things that you thought they could perhaps be building off last week, like I thought Anthony Miller actually had a good game against the Chargers. Maybe he could turn the corner to give you another valuable wide receiver. He did absolutely nothing in this game. I don't, did he get hurt or something? He had no catches, one target the entire afternoon. Of course, they barely moved the ball through the air at all. The receivers as a whole only had 10 catches for 125 yards. So, dude, it's like the problems are just so deeply ingrained with this football team. It is amazing to me that they were ever 3-1, and one, right? Like, you can... You could yeah, see no the outline kidding. of a good team at that point. You could see the formula for success. At this point, it's like the defense isn't going to be good enough to consistently turn the other team over to give you great field position and to allow you to have a punching chance. So that part of the formula is completely done. The offense before it was like, yeah, they could do some things, but you know, the huge mistake is waiting at every turn. Now they, they just can't even get the first part of that done. They can't move the ball at all. Uh, the offense has been absolutely terrible, and man, it's like, who can this team even beat? Looking at the you know the remaining schedule, like they this could get really ugly really fast, Zach. Let's just do this little exercise of individual players that have uh, come in underneath, met, or exceeded expectations, and I'm just going to run through the defense really quickly from the back end to the front. Eddie Jackson, under. Definitely. Haha Clinton Dix, I would say met. You know, I didn't have fine. huge expectations going he's in, fine. but he's been middling, if nothing else. Roquan, huge problem. Hugely underperformed all, all season. Yeah. Uh Danny, met, I would say. He's I think good. he's been 
He's been all right. Khalil Mack started out strong, being the guy we know. I don't know who this Khalil Mack has been the last month. I can't imagine that you could scheme for a guy that has, like no other team has been able to scheme for for the last seven years, and all of a sudden he's being taken out of games entirely. So be it injury or just like not great performance, I would say he is underwhelmed. Yeah. Um, Ever I would since say the Leonard, London trip. Absolutely. Uh, Leonard Floyd, obviously under. And then you go to the line, Akeem Hicks injury. So, you know, you lose him there. Uh, injuries Goldman, to Bilal Nichols. Last year. Yeah. Yep. 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 I mean, he, I think Goldman's done what I'd expected. He got injured a bit today. Wasn't in the game as much. But because of the way he plays, you can't kind of can't tell week to week. But the Bears are being gashed in the middle right now, and he has something to do with that. Go to the offensive side of the ball. I would say every single member of the offensive line is underneath expectations. Mitch, we don't even have to start. David Montgomery, not necessarily his fault, but certainly has not met the the hype of the uh, offseason. Tariq Cohen has gone from Horrible. a game-breaking talent to being one of the most unusable offensive players in the league. Who to blame for that? I don't know. But Tariq has terrible, terrible instincts when it comes to running lanes, setting up blockers. He's been dropping passes. He now leads the league and drop passes, according to PFF, with six. Uh, Allen Robinson, he's the only guy that's exceeded expectations to my understanding. Adam Shaheen is a total bust. Trey Burton's been injured and has underperformed. This team, on the whole, the 53, has somehow managed to uh, underwhelm in terms of the expectations going in, and I get it. Six to one odds to make the Super Bowl. Sixth most, not six to one. The sixth most likely to make the Super Bowl in terms of the Vegas odds. I get it that they were high expectations, but this is an unfathomable fall in only nine weeks of NFL football. No doubt, and really, they should have lost the Denver game. So you're sitting here looking at a team that's three and five. That record doesn't seem so bad, but it should be two and six. The worst part about this is they don't even have a first-round pick, so you can't even bank hope on, well, maybe we can lose out and our draft pick will save us. Well, that was the only joy we ever got in our lives for the last like 20 years, which is this is the worst thing ever. I don't have to watch it anymore because I know that my heart is dead and this team is dead. But, ooh, like let me start to read you know, Mel Kuyper. Yeah, now I'm going to talk myself into Cedric Benson to cure my depression. You can't Aww. even do that this year. Uh, R.I.P. said Ben, by the way. I was just trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. the Bears draft pick, and he was the first one that popped in my mind. Uh, so they don't even have a first-round pick this year. It's just a four-game slide that feels like the epitome of all the problems that have plagued the franchise for my 32 years of existence. It seems like, you know, what can they do besides for fire the coach, fire the GM, get a new quarterback, and rebuild it all from scratch? If they try a patchwork rebuild, you're looking at a year where they're, you know, basically signing a Mike Glennon-like quarterback, like a, a veteran you're going to pay for one or two years with no promise of being a long-term solution. They're capped out with so many of their defensive guys already having gotten paid. Mac is going to be making absolutely astronomical money moving forward. I don't know if you could trade him if you wanted to because he takes up such a significant percentage of the salary cap. I still love Khalil Mack. I still think it was a good trade, but you know, it was a gamble for the short term that the Bears would have enough to be a Super Bowl contender for the first few years of that deal. Well, they got one good year out of it, and now it's like, hell, where do we go from here? I think uh, if we're being realistic, and let you know, again, the Bears are three and five right now. If they lose out and go three and thirteen, and look, if you look at the schedule, that's that's not impossible. I don't foresee that happening, but it's not impossible. I don't. It's hard for me to imagine a world where the Bears, coming off of the success of last year, totally shit can this thing. What if go, they win six? 
then then you know hey things went wrong we're gonna make some big changes you know they'll do it chicago cubs style which is you know obviously systemic changes are, are in order we need to make some some big alterations but uh we're not gonna just throw this entire thing away so look i'm angry you're angry i get it but the 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 predominant likelihood is that Nagy will be back, that Pace is obviously going to continue to make decisions for this team, and that they'll have to make a huge decision at the quarterback position. But people are – people are. People say – I've heard a lot of conjecture that there's no way Mitch is even on the roster next year, and that doesn't make sense to me because cheap, he has a gar- – He has a guaranteed rookie contract. It just – it doesn't make sense to me that you just throw away uh, that player given that you've invested so much in him and if you – try, you know – has a stock ever been lower what are you going to get back for him so you keep him but you bring in a veteran to compete with him so there's actually competition for the starting quarterback position i had this conversation with luis medina uh of uh, bleacher nation bears yeah dude that guy's awesome and he did a great job on the preview for this eagles game and we talked about you know possible solutions and possible directions that pace could go at the quarterback position i'm of the mind that you bring in andy dalton and I, I know that Andy Dalton has been objectively terrible for the Bengals this year, but they have less of an offensive line than the Bears have. And if you told me today that Andy Dalton was going to take the ball for the Bears, I think there's a chance they could actually win that game, whereas Mitch takes the field and just looks like a brain-locked player. He looks broken out there. If you could bring in a guy who's been in a terrible situation for a number of years, way too, way too much on his shoulders and just without the skill set to support it, you bring him to the Bears that have, you know, again, with an offseason to get healthy, to reassess, a really good defense. I still feel kind of like I'm fooling myself saying that out loud. I do think this is still a really good defense. I can't tell you where they are right now in terms of their confidence. It just seems like everything is going to go bad all the time. But if everybody's healthy and they're coming back next year, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say that, oh, all of a sudden this is a bad defense. We've seen too much from them to think otherwise. But if Andy Dalton is running the offense, I still think there's an opportunity for the team to be like a more balanced overall squad and one that you can stack wins with. On top of that, because they're going to shit can their way out of this year, the Bears are going to have a significantly easier schedule next year. And we've seen, based on what happened last year, how much that can affect the team's wins and losses. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in what you said right there. To me, it comes back to what is the psychological impact of Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback at this point? Yeah, their problems are much deeper than Trubisky, but does anyone on the entire roster have any semblance of confidence in him? I don't think so. And I think that, you know, that affects the way the game's coached. That could affect, you know, psychologically how the defense plays, their mindset. It's got to affect the wide receivers. Uh, I think that you just, that's the first problem they have to share up is the quarterback. And, you know, I think that uh, Trubisky's had more starts than Grossman at this point. They were pretty quick to pull. I I believe it is. They were pretty quick to pull the trigger on Grossman when they had a good veteran and Brian Greasy behind him. Uh, I don't know if Chase Daniel is, you know, the same quality of backup, but I'm just wondering what the psychological impact of Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback is to the rest of this team. And, if they do roll with, you know, pretty much the same uh, setup going forward next year, I think that at least they won't have the burden of expectations because the burden of expectations really seemed like uh, something that is part of what made this season such a nightmare. We all thought they were going to be able to build off what they started to build last year, and it's all come crashing to the earth in the most familiar way possible. 
the defense is good. The special teams, the kick returning game is solid, but you know, the offense is just lifeless, man. And seeing a first half of football end with, I thought it was nine yards. They had nine yards of total offense at the end of the first half. It was negative one while the Eagles had, you know, <laughs> hundreds of yards in the first half. It's just so familiar. We've seen the story so many times before. It might as well be Grossman having a 0.0 QB rating on New Year's Day against the Packers in week 17 of 2006. We've just seen the story so many times before, man. It's too familiar at this point. You talked about what you know. What do you think the psychological effects are of a team that has to watch a quarterback fail again and again? We watched it today. It's a team that plays tense and a team that that loses the ethos of successful football, which is do your job. So you have defensive linemen jumping off sides trying to make a play. You have offensive players dropping the ball because they're looking up field before uh, they they secure the catch. It's everybody is out of their lane because they think if I don't make a play, then we're screwed. Uh, as opposed to a team that has a confident quarterback that knows, look, I just got to be there. It's pitch catch. He's going to get me the ball, and we're all going to do this together. And that's where they are now. The team is on tilt. Nobody believes that they have the pieces in place to win games. It's quite the opposite. They they are doing that thing where you can find a way to lose football games. And, you know, they came back today. Uh, it went from 19 to nothing to 19 to 14. And you could just see this potential for a moment of, you know what? This feels like a game that the Bears have no business winning in the same way that they had no business losing to the Chargers the week before. Uh, and I gave myself exactly 1.2 seconds to consider the possibility that the Bears would score again and pull the game out. And then I laughed at myself. <laughs> Looking at the schedule moving forward, man, next week yeah. against Detroit, I said, you know, hopefully they can get to six wins. If they don't win the Detroit game at home, I don't even know if they can get to six wins because after that – you're at the Rams. That's probably a loss. Then home against the Giants, they should win that game. At Detroit, home against the Cowboys, at the Packers, home against the Chiefs, at the Vikings. There's not a lot of easy games left on that schedule. It's what happens when you win the division the year before. Uh, you know, oh, even for them sweet, to... merciful Christ. I know. Support for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That rhymes. That's good stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm supposed to talk about a time when I hurt my balls while cutting my ball hair. Um, I really don't want to tell you that story. It's really not a fun story. It's a bad recollection, but since they're paying for this, might as well give it up. Um, yeah, uh, thought I was going to have a Harry Potter scar on my ball bag uh, because of a um, not-so-great clipper that was not-so-great at making sure everything really important to me stayed the way it was. I really enjoyed reliving that for your uh, for your edification. Uh, but, you know, that wouldn't have happened to me if uh, Manscaped had been in my life. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. God, I wish I'd had that that day. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver. Anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. I'm serious. They got it. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? I don't know if it's the smelliest part of my body. I've done like a smell test. I don't appreciate that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. 
and get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BLUEWIRE. Okay, so look at you just look at the schedule. Predict the Bears' final record this year. I think they go 6-10. and 6-10. and ten. So you see three more wins on the schedule for them. Man, I mean, e- like, even that feels optimistic, doesn't it? At it, least it, given it, the state of things right now. Yeah, when a team can't get a first down in the first half when you know I, I mean you're talking about it's one thing if a team is competitive and like hey we got a bad defense we're gonna be in shootouts week to week then you know you have a chance to win it's this thing that you and i've lived with our entire lives where when when your offense truly is uh, a tank without treads when it can't move at all it's hard to foresee any sort of way forward to a victory. If a baseball team can't score runs at all, it doesn't matter how good you pitch. It doesn't matter. You have to score points to win. The Bears can't score points. And so they get in a situation like they're in today where, you know, it's it's somewhat a miracle that Nagy stuck with the run as much as he did, given his you know previous track record. If I'm going to give credit for anything, and I suppose we should – try to find a little bit of <laughs> silver lining on anything. Taylor Gabriel. It, yeah. Hey, Taylor Gabriel had three catches for 69 yards. Nice. And uh, Nagy didn't totally abandon the run when they were down 19 to nothing. In fact, the, the two really successful drives in the second half were predicated on being able to run the ball. And then Mitch throwing the ball down the field a little bit. Although I will say, in, you know, in spirit of criticizing Mitch, that his second long bomb to Allen Robinson, that Robinson had it like jarred out of his hands, that was underthrown by a good seven yards. Yeah, no he kidding. was gone. He was gone. And uh, how many times have we seen the air biscuit where you see him lining it up? And I could, I swear to God, man, one if you let the ball leave his hand for like a second and pause the film, I can like name that tune it. I'd be like, that's an air biscuit. It's underthrown <laughs> by thirty yards. That's either a pick. Or, or a knockdown, or somebody's going to be super open and have it be a contested non-catch. I've seen it so many times. We, I, I'm convinced that Chicago is quarterback Chernobyl, because if you look back at Mitch's North Carolina tape, if you look at the scouting reports, if you look at the combine, he's so accurate downfield. He's so accurate with the ball. He throws guys open. And you look at the player now, and I'm reminded, I was reminded of it during the game, of you know when Rex came out, he was so accurate. He knew where to go with the ball. And again, this that was a uh, antiquated brand of football. But the, then 2005-6 happens, and Rex is throwing mad bombs to Bernard Berry in every game, and we've got a quarterback. They're blowing teams out like 40 to nothing every single game leading up to about the Arizona game. I would say it's the Arizona game. Right. It's the it's the crown their ass game when Rex throws four picks and forgets how to play football. Cut to the end of the season. Rex is our quarterback, and Rex is taking 9,000-step drops and then throwing off his back foot into triple coverage. He just got broken, and I can't tell you there's not enough continuity across the organization to say, you know what, this is the thing. There have been different decision makers, roster builders, you name it, and every single time we bring in a quarterback, doesn't matter how high or low a prospect, and they leave worse for wear dude i would what's kind of funny is people have debated cutler versus mitch it's to the point where i would take rex over mitch like cutler over mitch like literally without even thinking about it i will still take rex over mitch at this point and here's a prediction for you i'll leave you on this zach mm, okay. uh if mitch trubisky can't lead the bears to a win next week and if he is as bad next week as he was this week against philadelphia 
That game at home against the Lions, noon kickoff, I think it'll be the last start he ever makes for the Bears. I think that the public pressure has mounted that much. They're on a four-game slide now where if they can't win the game or if Mitch is once again the reason they lose the game, I don't think he starts another game for this organization. Man, I I think they're too invested and the season is too lost for me to get on board with that because – Look, they're out of the playoffs now. I think I think we can all agree that three and five, their schedule going forward, the fact that they're one of the worst teams in the NFC, the fact that the, the division is stacked the way it is. So playoffs are out of the out of the equation, and now it's just about um, roster evaluation and trying to find things that are positive going into next season. And Mitch, you know, continues to be a raw, underdeveloped, right. undeveloped prospect. It's like just throw that guy out there and. Let's see what happens. Uh, it, it's really hard for me to believe that there's a reason to bench him beyond losing the locker room. And if that comes to pass, I, I, I frankly don't think the Bears have enough turds in the locker room to make that happen. I think the, the season will just play out in the way that it does. And the worst thing that would ever happen is not a mutiny, but more just apathy. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, I, and that's a place that you and I know really, really well. So. I foresee a really depressing future where Mitch continues to um, play bad to occasionally middling football and keep his job just barely. Because, like, if he'd done what he did in the first half and the second half, and that was all we were seeing, we were seeing somebody that was truly broken and wasn't able to make a positive play, then I would totally agree with you. But he does that thing where just when it's the worst thing that's ever happened, he starts to make a couple positive plays, and perhaps it's the offensive line or somebody else or someone fumbles, but that one wasn't on Mitch. Mitch made a good play. They come back, and they put together a scoring drive. All right, here we go. And just in that one fucking second where <laughs> it's just getting good, hey, he's having a decent game, he's, wo- he's woken up, then there's the death pick he he's an incredible prospect like I've never I've seen a lot of Bears quarterbacks Mitch somehow exists in this really unique space of sucking harder than anybody sucked but wait all right okay okay and then the pendulum swings back hey 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 this is good this is good I fucking sucks he's the most purgatorious quarterback I've experienced in a long time and I I guess that's just what we deserve. I don't know what you and I did. I don't know what our fellow Bears fans did, but I think we deserve this. Hey, man, there's a price you got to pay for Michael Jordan in your childhood, and that's a lifetime of shitty Bears quarterbacks. A lifetime? Like, I feel like at some point (laughs) it's got to be over, right? (laughs) I mean, ah, God damn it. God damn it. This is so not fun. I'm not having fun anymore. I want to have fun. (sighs) Zach. All right, uh, challenge to you on the way out the door. Uh, Lions next week, give me three things to remain a Bears fan about going into next week. I want to see some progress out of the passing game, right? Like Detroit, you can throw on them, I believe. You have Allen Robinson. Mitch, get him the ball. I think that, you know, when the Bears had success moving the ball in the second half of the Eagles game, it was when they were actually throwing downfield a little bit. So hopefully Nagy and Trubisky can take something from that. And I would like to see them be more aggressive throwing downfield. If he's throwing picks, well, who cares? You're, the season's over anyway. Just throw it downfield. Be a little bit more aggressive. Trust your quarterback a little bit. Let him sink or swim, and if he's going to sink, well, it doesn't matter because you're not losing anything anyway. So I'd like to see more aggressive downfield passing. The second thing, Floyd seemed to get it going a little bit in the second half of this game. Uh, Mac made, you know, not not a huge impact, but... A couple of edge stops, he, he, but he not did, much. He had a couple flash plays, at least, a couple tackles for losses. I'd like to see the pass rush get back. Uh, and you know, in the past, I feel like last year they were always like forcing a lot of turnovers against the lions. 
let me see some picks. The defense hasn't forced enough turnovers over the last few weeks. I would love to see Eddie Jackson finally get an interception for the first time this year. I'd love to see Fuller keep padding his interception stats. So I want a pass rush from the defense. I want turnovers from the defense. And I just want some aggressive downfield throwing. And, you know, if they get burned by it, so be it. But this conservative garbage just isn't going to fly. Yeah, man, I, they have nothing to lose, and I get it. You know, this guy is being criticized left, right, and center and had a game where they only rushed the ball seven times. It's not about the run-pass balance. It's really, like, the the structure of the plays and why they're called where they're called. So, you know, I could criticize that all day, but, dude, let's get fucking weird. Let's, like, throw it all out there. Like, I want I want a, a Hail Mary on first down to open the game. Who cares? Who cares? You have to find a way – like okay so anthony miller did he even make the trip to philly that is you're, you're talking about your investment in your deep investment in a number of players and if you can't even put them in a position to be in the game to at least run downfield and see if they can get separation what are you even doing it's time to start evaluating talent and making play calls based on that i totally agree with every word you're saying zach lee for bears head coach Oh man, I would would just be a fucking meme in about 10 seconds, just (laughs) just meltdown after meltdown and like bulging eye veins and it would be terrible. uh, uh, At least your press conferences would be more fun than these are. I I would write on my play card instead of be you, it'd be go fuck yourself. That's, that's, (laughs) that's, that's that's mine. (laughs) All right, man. Any final thoughts before I send you off into the world? Uh, Bears are bad. (laughs) And now I'm going to go cheer myself up by watching the Bulls who are playing the Pacers. Uh, Yeah. The the Pacers have like 19 guys out of the lineup today. So they have even less of an excuse to lose the game. So uh, yeah, we'll leave a Bears podcast with that positive thought, which is go Bulls. Um, Ricky, appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, appreciate the conjecture and the sympathy and, um, yeah, the solidarity in the suck that is being a Bears fan and watching these games week in, week out. As always, want to thank our sponsors here for the Chicago Shuffle on the Blue Wire Sports Network. Uh, please re- uh, read, read, rate, and review. You can read it, too. I, you're going to write it, so I don't really care. So rate and review, please. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know how our screeching into the, the ether makes you feel. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back here again next week for a preview against the Lions uh, at Soldier Field where the Bears try, try to get this season even mildly back on track. So that's it for now. Appreciate you listening, and we're out. We're out.